Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're here on Thursday. Uh, Tom, I just want to let you know my hamstring is is fine. Uh, my calf feels good. My body feels pretty preserved right now, uh, which is more than we can say about almost every player on the Yankees. How are you today, sir? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's devastating. You know, I, I'm interested. I got to ask you this. You've been going with the yo lately to open up the pot. I think that's the third or the fourth time in the in a row you went with the yo. Is that a new shtick you're going for? <laughs> it's not. I don't even really think about it. I kind of just want to be like, you know, I'm enthusiastic to talk to you, man. Yo. Enthusiastic to do the pod. Uh, so now I haven't thought about it, but now it's obviously going to be in my head thanks to you, and I will probably do something totally. I will probably do something totally different uh, next open. So I just so thought we got that because it's not like it was a random one-off. I thought you were making a conscious effort to go with the yo. I don't know if it's like a new thing you're doing or saying yo to everybody. <laughs> You, you know me well enough to know I don't put that much thought into that. No. Well, uh, <laughs> why don't we get back into the Yankees? Um, and, I mean, you lose Glaber today. We're, we're recording this. It's going to go up today, but what is today, Thursday? Yes, sir. Um, Thursday the 19th, I believe. We're on the 20th. We're on uh, the 20th. Okay. Uh, the Yankees lost... 10-6 to 6 to the Tampa Bay Rays today. 10-5, to 5, excuse me. Um, and they also lost something much more significant, which was Glaber Torres. Uh, Zach Britton was placed on the IL a little bit earlier today. Um, obviously, we spoke about Stanton the last time you and I talked, and we made the joke, of course, when's Judge coming? Well, he came a couple days later. He's on the IL. And then... Wasn't there another guy that went to the... Oh, DJ LeMahieu with a sprained wrist, which is a two- to three-week injury, apparently, which means it's going to be for another year. Well, it's a sprained thumb, so that's... Thumb, it, you know, it, He said it was about the same injury he had back in uh, 2018 that cost him two to three weeks, and the MRI showed no, uh, no like structural damage or anything. But I, I've, I've been thinking about this, and obviously that culminates with a sweep to Tampa Bay uh, in the stadium, so they've they're now uh, in seven games against Tampa. They're one and six. But I was thinking about this, and I, I honestly don't even know what to say anymore. And like, it it, it just baffles me. It, it absolutely baffles me. These are athletes who are supposed to be at the top of their peak athletic performance. Okay, and we've. We understand the risks that come with a judge and a stand. Those are body types that are not conducive to being healthy and limber and all the things that you need to do to play Major League Baseball in you know on the field every day. We get that. It's part of the territory. Fine. But Glaber Torres running down first base. Zach Britton running to first base. The LeMahieu thing is fluky. He's been pretty rock solid in the lineup all the time since he's been a Yankee. But at some point, you just really have to question what the fuck is going on. Because last year was a fluke, guys. Just throwing that out there. That next man up mantra that got them to win 103 games and gave you a GR show and a mic talking in. Okay, that, that, that happens once every millennium, basically. Okay? So to expect Tyler Wade and Clint Frazier, who's played well, and Tyro Estrada and Mike Talkman 
and all these other guys to now immediately step in and play and beat a team like Tampa, who's really fucking good anyway, isn't going to happen. And they, with a revamped training staff, I really don't have any answer. At some point, you're just assuming that everybody who steps a certain way or throws a ball or catches a ball or gets up off the bench is going to get hurt, right? Yeah, um... I mean, it's to a point now where it's just like, I get it, every team gets injured, but I mean, the percentage of time that our big big money players are on the DL or the IL, whatever it is, it has to be 10 times what every other team is, right? I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Every, it's amazing. every guy that can get hurt, I feel like it's it's a rotation. Like last year, we were jokingly saying it, like, Oh, this guy's about to come back off the IL. You got to trade him for another guy. Like, oh, Stan's gonna come back, so you got to throw Judge on the DL and make a trade. Now it's just like everybody's on the D- anybody who's everybody is on the IL. I think Gary's next. He's gonna get bit by the IL bug next, followed by Geo, and then maybe Luke. He'll have his stint on the IL. I don't know. What do you Hitzel, think? Hicks will hurt a back or something like that. Yeah. A couple of days I mean, we're going to get to the point where Ellsbury's going to be playing. I mean, I just want to throw this little caveat in there, right? I mean, we've seen across Major League Baseball this year, particularly with pitchers, that injuries are piling up just due to lack of conditioning and having to get ramped up in the span of about two or three weeks, right, before the season starts. So you're going to get some soft tissue injuries. You're going to see some guys hurting elbows, hurting arms, hurting shoulders, going conditioned. You're obviously getting players testing positive for COVID. None of that's happening. None of that's happening. This is all the same thing from last year. Yeah, this has nothing nothing to do... In my opinion, and I'm not an expert, obviously, medically, but in my opinion, there is no correlation between what happened this season with COVID and everything getting stopped up and the Yankees' injury problems. Uh, it's just, we'll keep rolling from last year. And, I mean, the replacement guys are playing great. I, I mean, Voight had another, not that Voight's a replacement, but he's being put into a much larger role and much higher expectations offensively, given everybody that's hurt. He hits another bomb today. What's that, number six for him this year? Dude, he has ten. He has six games, and I think he has six in his last five games or something. Oh well, excuse me. He's tearing the cover off the ball. You got Geo doing his thing. Clint, my guy, is absolutely murdering the baseball. But it's it's to a point where it's like last year was a fluke. Like not a fluke in the sense that the Yankees weren't a good team, but the sense that they sustained that success with backup players. It, it is a fluke, and that that's the thing that people need to understand. And listen, you know, obviously we want to keep things in perspective. Two months ago, we didn't think we'd be talking about Major League Baseball. We're, we get to open a podcast by bitching about the Yankees. So that's actually, like, that's a silver lining, and when you peel back the layers, that's a good thing. Secondly, the Yankees are half a game back. They just got swept by Tampa, who's a fucking really good team, and we both called for them to be a real pain in the Yankees' ass this year. And they're, they're, they could beat the Yankees even with a fully healthy Yankee team. Mm-hmm. But when you're, when you're taking into consideration that you have to have a lineup where Tyler Wade is batting 7th or 8th, and Brett Gardner's hitting 5th, and Talkman's hitting 3rd, 
and Urshela, as much as I love him, is hitting fourth. That's not a lineup that can go out there and cover up for another deficiency with the Yankees, and that's been starting their pitching and bullpen. I wouldn't even say they're starting pitching. I mean, Tanaka laid an egg the other day, but prior to that, he's been real good. Cole's been real good. Paxton's throwing the ball better. I mean, Monty's looking. Starting pitching really hasn't been a big issue. But Adovino, he hasn't been able to throw the ball over the fucking plate. And he blew it again today after the Urshela home run. And then you have guys like Britton, like last night. Maybe it was because of the hamstring. I don't know. But he self-destructed. We hadn't had Chapman. He only made one appearance. Greens looked pretty good. But without Canely, that's another line of defense that's gone. I mean, this bullpen that we've been talking about for years is the main strength of this team. Looks in shambles because the guys that are supposed to get the job done haven't been able to get the job done. And that's not going to cut it for a lineup that might beat some bad teams. They sweat Boston. Boston is historically bad. They paid, If they played 162 games, dude, they might lose 110. Like, they are so awful. Yeah. But when you play they Tampa, don't, they don't have, winning, aside from Evaldi, they don't have a single pitcher that deserves to be in professional baseball. No. So you're not going to win games like this when the guys that are supposed to get the job done don't. And you look up and down the lineup, and you're kind of just thinking, I mean, I can't really be mad that Tyro Estrada and Miguel Andujar aren't getting big hits in big spots, or Tyler Wade isn't working the count. You know, like, you can't really be mad at that. But we, there's something that has to be done about the ravage of injuries, because if this is just going to be commonplace, the only reason the Yankees don't get more killed for this is because they've They've won a lot of games. They're still 16-9 and nine right now. Yeah, but, you know, this year for me, I said it, it's World Series or bust. And with these kind of injuries, eh, I don't know what to do to fix this. Because, you know, bad play, you say, all right, fine. You fire the manager, you trade some guys, you shake some things up. I mean, we already have a whole new medical staff. What else can you do? And it's one of the best training staffs in in the entire world that's come in and, and, and worked on it. Again, you can attribute it to having to get ramped up and now you're playing all these games. If you're playing 10 games in a row after not playing at all. But I'm sorry. I don't even know if I can use that excuse because we had this last year. Absolutely. If it was just this year, you could throw that out there and you could probably cover it up. But because it's the same as last year with a completely different training and medical staff, it's really not... I'm sorry, I can't I can't cover them up. I can't make an excuse for it. This is just it's fragility like unlike anything I've ever seen. No doubt about it. It's yeah, I, you can't even bitch about it because I just I'm so confused and I, I when you don't have an explanation for something, it's like I don't even know where to go from here. I'm just sad. <laughs> it is. It's frustrating because it's like you know when we did the pod, when Stanton went down, it's like you're disappointed, right? And, and it's not you're not mad at him. You're just disappointed the fact that he can't be on the field and contribute to a winning team. At this point, I am mad now because something has to be done about this, and I don't know what it is because I'm disappointed still, sure, but I'm mad that every time somebody seemingly runs or takes a step or throws a pitch. They're getting hurt. No other team has had this. Not none. And, I, and we, we shit on teams like the Mets 
the Mets don't even have this problem. Yeah, and I don't want to hear that the like I hate when people say, well, they're they're prone to injury and they're muscular guys. Okay, listen, I get it, but Judge and Stanton aren't the only two muscular guys in baseball. Pete Alonso's not fucking getting torn apart, and he's you know, not height wise, but he's just as big as the both of them. I mean, soft tissue injuries are more likely for guys with the build of Stanton and Judge, right? I mean, we just know that. And there's not really even anything you can do. I mean, Stanton lost 20 pounds. He said he was more flexible. Judge, same thing. They're just big guys that when you are constantly on your feet and you're doing quick twitch movements, there's a chance that something's no, going to go No, I get wrong. that. I get that. But it's like guys like Judge and Stanton. I'd say Alonzo's like Judge and Stanton, right? Big muscular guy. You don't see him going. I mean, I, I granted he hasn't been in the league as long, but he doesn't have a hammy every ten minutes. Mike Trout's a big muscular guy. You know, I love him. He doesn't have a hammy every ten minutes. No, no. And that's what I don't understand. Do. Like, they're not the only two big muscular guys in baseball, but they're the only two with this issue. I mean, yeah, I get it. Christian Yelich, you know, a skinnier, flexible guy. Same with Bellinger. They're not going to get hurt like that because, you know, they don't have the kind of muscle on their body that they have to move around and whatever. But there is other guys, and they don't have this fucking issue. It's fucking wild, man. And I got to say, you know, this three-game series has shed a lot of light on a couple of different things. Because when the Yankees played down in Tampa and they lost three of four, two of those games they had in their back pocket. And, hey, we know the Yankees' issues at Tropicana Field. The Rays are a really good team. They had a doubleheader on Saturday. Okay, fine. You kind of sweep that under the rug. But this series has brought a lot to light. After a six-game win streak and a four-game sweep of Boston, you're playing a much better team. So those mistakes that you make are not going to—they're not—you're not going to have a chance to make up for them nearly as easily as you would against a team like the Red Sox. Secondly, you got to hit with runners in scoring position. Saw a stat today during the game: the Yankees are hitting like 0.92 with runners in scoring position against the Rays pitching staff so far this year. In was at the time seven games. I mean that. That is not – you can't win games like that. And then the other thing is, as great as this depth is, if, if you're not going to get a DJ, a judge, a Stanton back, and they're not going to find their groove, you're not beating this team. Tampa's the class of the American League and maybe on the baseball, right up there with the Dodgers. Yeah, I think they're the third best team in baseball. Actually, no, they're the second best team in baseball. Clearly, they're better than the Yankees. They just swept them. So – I mean, they're right up there with Minnesota and, and obviously the Dodgers. Oakland's uh, up there, too. Yeah, Oakland's been great as well. You know, surprisingly, we are not we don't really have uh, going around Major League Baseball on the docket today, but Colorado's been great as well. Colorado's been really good. That was a really good pick by you. I, I was really wondering how they were going to win games, and, and they pitched better than I thought they would. has really stepped up. It has, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I know, you know the Yankees are going to have a – a set coming up now where they're going to play the Mets six times out of eight games with two games against the Braves throw in there before uh, Tampa comes back in. By then, hopefully a couple of the guys are back, but shit, this is, uh, it's underwhelming and it's not just because you lost, but it's you're, you're losing games and you're losing players seemingly by the minute. And, and it's, in a short season, you don't have time to make up for that. The frustrating part is, I mean, it's just, there's nobody 
I mean, I, I don't always want to throw around blame, but there's nobody to get to get on here. We're, we're, we can't get on Boone. It's not like he's managing, mismanaging. No. Can't get on Cash. He's put together a great team to even withstand. Look at last year, all these injuries. And then as for the bullpen woes, we have the probably the on paper the best bullpen in the history of Major League Baseball. They're just not getting the job done. So you can't get mad at Cash for that either. Like it's just, it's mind-boggling the Yankees' issues right now because it's not tied into anything. There's no usually there's a negative there's a negative move and then a negative result. Whereas now we're just getting negative results and there's no precursor to that, like no mistake. Right, and you know the Canley injury to start off the season was brutal because of how good he was last year. What a linchpin in the bullpen he yeah. usually is. And prior to last night, Britain had pitched pretty well. And really, he didn't pitch poorly last night. He was a he, he couldn't catch a ball running the first base and a lot of running the second. Then he had a wild pitch. And before you knew it, you know, he couldn't keep the ball down. And, and a couple seeing eye singles here and there cost him the game. And Ottavino, I'm sorry, the guys had problems with his location. He, he struggled with it all postseason long last year. And this year he hasn't really found it, and he's not dominating righties at the clip that he was last year. And that's a problem because he's a guy who they really need to be the Adovino that we saw for 90% of the year last year. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I'm I'm almost to the point where I I don't – I'm getting sad, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) I mean, again – Keep it in perspective, half a game back, you're going to play easier teams now. But this, this is not a major league lineup right now. It, it's just not. And if it wasn't for Voight and Urshela doing what they've been doing, and Clint as well, you could throw him in there. Really, nobody has hit. And you talk about Luke mm-hmm. and Glaber, he's been making a lot of errors. I think he has six errors of short so far with the major league. I knew that was coming. And then you've got Sanchez, who was heating up and hitting some bombs, but he's still hitting 130, and he's putting up some pretty uncompetitive bats in big spots. It's These are guys that obviously you miss because of the presence in their lineup, and they could break out at any point, but they haven't really, they haven't really hit this year at all. So that's what kills you when Judge is out, when LeMahieu, and even Stanton. All three of those guys are not only playing well, but they were – they were really lengthening the lineup and allowing guys like Voight and Rochelle to get off to hot starts. Yeah, absolutely. The one one bright spot, I will say, aside from those guys that you said were kind of carrying this team, being Voight and Frazier and Rochelle, hopefully Rochelle can stay healthy. Um, I know, what, when, when was our last pod? It was about a week and a half ago because we did a true Monday rundown, right? We did, yep. And I called... More myself, but both of us to the carpet for making fun of Will for the Wilson Contreras thing. I'm not going to go back on that yet, but I've just pulled up Wilson Contreras' 2020 stats and Gary's. And another week of another week or two of Gary playing well, I might have to tell Will to go fuck himself. Strong. Yeah. I mean... The batting average for Gary is obviously atrocious, but Wilson Contreras is hitting 225. So he's not, you know, he's not fucking going for Ted Williams here, right? And then you want to look at the you want to look at the other numbers. I'm not going to look at WAR and go too deep into that. I'm just looking at some old numbers that all of our listeners can get behind. Eight RBIs for Contreras. Gary's got nine. 
Contreras has two homers. Gary has five. Well, I mean, you know, what else do we have to talk about? Yeah, uh, we're fielding. I mean, I'm I'm just gonna give that to Contreras because Sanchez has been pretty bad this year as well. I don't know how you feel. I don't think he's been that bad, and I know I. Well, I've seen. Uh, it's almost a, you're. I gotta push back, and I you know I love his cannon for an arm, but. And I've seen a lot of pitches where this one knee thing is not working for him. He, a lot of pass balls, you know, are catchable because he's on that one knee thing and he's not quick enough to get back to the other side. I've seen a couple that have been blatantly awful for for exactly. And, yeah, and we get tough. a lot of and we we get a lot of those every year, right? And, and there have been some in some big spots which I can't let him get up from. But there's been also a lot, too. I know they hit the glove, and you think, come on, Gary. I'm going to keep harkening back to this, and I don't. I really don't think it's an excuse. It's just fact. This Yankee pitching staff is really fucking hard to catch, and when their stuff, which is electric, moves a lot, and darts a lot, isn't getting to the spot it's supposed to get to, it's not going to get caught by anybody. You could put Wilson Contreras back there. He'd have about the same success rate. You could put the Mitch Garver of Minnesota back there. He'd have about the same success rate. I think there's times where Sanchez gets lazy. I think there's times where he doesn't move laterally all that well. And I'm not I'm not defending any of that. But it certainly gets lumped into a lot of the other issues because they're easy. Because sometimes he he just fucks up. But there's a there's been plenty too which are on the pitching because the pitching sometimes out of Eno Slider, Britton Sinker, for example. They don't get to where they're supposed to be, and if those pitches don't hit the spot, you're not you're not blocking those. No, I hear you on that. But looking at it from strictly an offensive standpoint, two more weeks of Gary heating up, and I'm going to have to call Will onto the pot. And it might be an unexpected blindside call. <laughs> and again, you know, these are two, we're arguing about two of the top three catchers in baseball, right? And so you can have it either way. But yeah, to say Sanchez is a bum isn't fair. He's been really bad uh, no i don't think i don't think will i don't think will said that either no 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 i'm just stating it for everybody i mean you've got we're arguing between right sanchez real mudo and Contreras is the top three so in whatever order you feel pretty good about those guys yeah absolutely i would put real mudo i I think real mudo is number one yeah I, i think he's been the most consistent and Remember, too, that that's really hard about this season, that if you get off to an 0 for 15 or something like we talked about when we did our baseball preview, you're not getting up from that. You know, you're just not going to have enough at-bats to salvage a season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm done with the Yankees. Um, do you want to talk Mets for a second? Just about the sale of the team and how fucking dilly-dallied they've been with this and how I think it's an absolute joke that they're not taking an offer because the Wilpons don't like fucking Steve Cohen. Are you kidding me? It's at the point now where the Mets have been such a joke of a franchise and the Wilpons have been just such a joke of a of business people, of a business family, that I think the MLB needs to step in front and say, you have to take this offer. You don't have a choice. Hey, Mets fans would love that. Um, I think that that's obviously... Um goes without saying another issue too is i think that, there's uh, got to be a way it sounds legally. like they want the a-rod group to buy the team 
I understand that, but I think there's got to be, first of all, that diminishes the value of every other team because you're taking hundred. It's a $375 million less, I believe. So the other, what, how many How many baseball teams are there, 30? The other, yep. the other 29 owners are going to be hella pissed about that. And the other thing is there's got to be some legal jargon saying that you're not doing what's in the best interest of the team, so you should be forced to sell the team because I don't think they are. They're not spending any money in the right places, and they haven't, right? They've done so many things wrong with this franchise, and then somebody's willing to buy the team for, I think it was $2.4 or $2.3 billion, and they're not taking that. I think Manfred's got to step in, but we all know he's an all-time pussy. I'm going to say it, and he's not going to do shit. I'm just venting here because I want the Mets to be good. Well, commissioners can't force owners to sell teams unless they do something horrific, you know, unless they're caught doing a Donald Sterling, it's really hard to get ownership to sell teams. I would kind of look at this more as you bring in a Brody Van Wagenen, right? And we've seen teams in other sports try to get creative with front office personnel. I can think of the Cleveland Browns bringing in Pete Podesta, who was a former Met and baseball front office guy. And obviously just completely shit the bed as far as bringing in free agents and making acquisitions and draft picks. Brody Van Wagenen, for all that he loves himself some Brody Van Wagenen, has done an all-time awful job and is not going to make anybody in baseball, president of baseball operations, decide that they want to hire a former agent to be a GM. Because this team is a fucking joke. I mean, and they're it, not getting up from it. All the Mets talked about was transparency, and Van Wagenen has done pretty much the opposite. First of all, the losing of Cespedes. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that one because it's Cespedes. Yeah, he's a head case, and that's why he's been on so many different teams. So fair on that one. But the rest of them, this guy Oswald that had to start, they don't let him know till the day of. Every other injury. They're, they're just it's it's absolutely like they're not transparent at all, and that's all he talked about. And, and the and players, you, and he he should be a players GM, being that he was a, being that he was an, an agent, and he seems to be doing everything ass backwards. Yeah, and I'll tell you this too. I know he wasn't the one that gave Cespedes the extension, but that is on ownership because they they listen to their fan base clamor for Cespedes because of what he did in 2015. And instead of looking at all the other stops that decided to let him go because they didn't think he was a winning player, and he capitalized on that one huge run in 15, they said, we have to resign this guy to a long-term deal. And, hey, you know what? You get what you paid for there. But, yeah, you're right about Roosevelt. I mean, obviously, Stephen Massnell has been regulated to the bullpen. This guy they gave an extension to. He's absolute trash. It's a it's a disaster. Degrom's getting scratched for with the stiff neck, and that's not necessarily on the team. But when it rains, it pours. And as Yankee fans, after you know the diatribe we went on and begin this pod, we have nothing to say. But then, I mean, come on, man. I mean, we even talked about it beforehand. You bring back a familia instead of paying money to to Lemayhu, you pay it to. Jed Lowry. Hey, the list goes on. Yeah, you could have had Adovino and LeMahieu. Instead, you have Jed Lowry, who is a fine utility player. LeMahieu's a fucking 
all-star, and he was before he came to the Yankees. And then you get a guy who you had before, and you know how like how volatile he is instead of getting an Adovino. And I know Adovino's had his struggles over the past couple weeks, but last year he was electric. You know what, man? It's you get what you pay for. You get the decision making from guys. You get what you pay for, and of course they're fucking being cheap. And this is yet another reason why I think they should be forced to sell the team. They're doing it is a detriment to this team what they're doing. But again, you know they they had they had uh, Sandy Alderson who had been in a very accomplished GM, and he made a lot of bad moves too. So it's you can't blame the ownership necessarily for for those kind of decisions. Um, I think it's just easy to because it's the Mets. But listen, it, it is what it is. You had Marcus Stroman decide he was going to opt out, and I guarantee you, if he was playing for the Yankees or playing for a team that had a chance to win, he would not have opted out. But he saw the train wreck that was the Mets and said, "Nah, I'm good." Um, so yeah, man. You know when it when it rains, it pours, and and that's just kind of the way it is. Um, anything else about baseball you want to talk about before the Tatis Jr. thing? Because I really want to get your take on that. No, I'd love to talk about the Tatis Jr. thing. Why don't you give us a little background on it? Okay, so Fernando Tatis Jr. and his San Diego Padres were playing down in Texas the other night, and the Padres had a comfortable seven-run lead, and Tatis was up at the plate with a 3-0 count and decided to swing away, and he hit an absolute cock shot. Uh, grand slam the opposite way to give the Padres an 11 run lead. And it was exciting because it's Tatis and he's a phenom. And every time he squares up a baseball, it is fun as hell to see. Well, it wasn't met very well by an absolute pussy of a, of a manager in Chris Woodward. And yes, I feel that way complaining about how it goes against baseball's quote unquote unwritten rules that I know you and I could do an entire podcast about how stupid those things are and how antiquated they are and why baseball has a average age fan age of like 58, but whatever. And the worst part to me was Tatis Jr.'s own manager went against it and said, yeah, you know, I, I told him to take and he swung away. I'm sorry. I'm going to give this this manager, and if you could pull up his name for me, I would appreciate it so I could address him properly. This guy just called out arguably the number one young player in all of baseball. Who's going to be the Chase Tingler? The next... Chase Tingler. Great. Chase Tingler. Awesome job. For the next 10 to 15 years, your shortstop is going to be the face of baseball. And instead of backing him and saying, hey, listen, the game's never over. He had a pitch to hit, and he did some damage. He decided to side with Chris Woodward. I would fire him immediately if I was the GM uh, of San Diego and say, excuse me, I don't think you understand the levity of what you just did was. And you want to make the game fun and grow, and you want to talk about and, and you know really pump up your young player and decide you had to tell him and tell the media that he went against one of your sons. First of all, I'd have him even, if, even if you did tell him, for me as a perspective, you don't ever air out your dirty laundry in the media. Ever. You don't ever throw a player it's, under the bus. No. You'd never throw a player under the bus, especially somebody who didn't do anything fucking wrong. 
No, and, and you know what? Honestly, if I was the if I was the Texas Rangers and if I was the Padres, I would have fired both managers. I would have said, you're a pussy and you're a pussy, and I can't have this shit. If you don't want him to hit a grand slam off you, then make a good fucking 3-0 pitch. How about that? And if you're mad about the fact that he didn't, that they were up, that you were up seven in a professional baseball game where everybody gets played, where everybody gets paid, this isn't fucking little league. Even in high school, people get three o green lights in blowout games. Trust me. And this is fucking professional baseball. And you, you know what? Then then either throw a strike or if you're mad about it, hit the guy next time. That'd be ideal. Um, again, it just goes to show why baseball stuck in the dark ages and why young great players I mean honestly like I would fire the two of them I would say I don't want you managing my team you are soft and you're turning my players into pussies um two quick news updates for you um everybody continues going down James Paxton uh reported forearm elbow tightness so he's probably going to the IL and yeah he's getting an MRI precursor to Tommy John, and the Mets have players who have tested positive for COVID. Um, they are playing down in Miami right now, and obviously the Yankees were supposed to play the Mets this weekend, so that series, if MLB does what MLB's been doing, uh, will probably not have that series. So obviously if I get any more new news, I will update uh, during this pod, but just the hits keep on coming. Let's talk basketball, man. I want to be happy again. Okay, let's do it. All right, man. So uh, let's go in the Western Conference with the playoffs. Um, yeah, before we do that, before we do that, okay. let's let's talk about the play-in game before we jump into the uh, before we jump into the playoffs. I want to talk about the play-in game. Did you watch Memphis and uh, Portland? I did watch Memphis Portland. I ended up seeing more highlights. I watched the first half. Didn't watch as much of the second half. But um, why don't you give a rundown on what happened that game? Game time, baby. What else do I have to say? Game time, and um, Nurkic has become one of the best centers in basketball. Honestly. He was looking that way before he broke his leg in half and missed, what, a season and a half, and and he's just picked up where he left off before he got hurt. He is an absolute game changer, and the way that this team is constructed now with these guys healthy, they are a different team. I mean, they are not your typical eight seed, as we well know. And, and you know that the NBA wanted no part of Memphis in there anyway. And, and Triple J was out, and Ja was playing with, I think, a broken thumb, right, or a fractured thumb. So they were compromised. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ja still had a, put up great numbers. I believe he had close to 30 points. Uh, he had a really good game, as well as um, – What's the center's name? Is it? It's not Vucevic. No, it's uh, Valanciunas. Valanciunas, excuse me. Him and uh, him and Nurkic were going toe to toe for a little bit there, but I mean between CJ, Dame, and then the addition by via coming back from injury of Nurkic, this team's electric. And Melo's even shooting a little well. Melo, and we can segue into Game One against the Lakers. He sometimes forgets that it's 2020 and it's not 2012 anymore. And he just does that classic ISO mellow thing, which I just laugh at because it's like, this guy's going to be doing this against his kid at 60 years old in the gym and thinking it's still working. But, I mean, 
he still hits some clutch threes. Like, he hit a clutch go-ahead three in that Memphis game. And he was doing it against the Lakers. And, you know, I took a lot of notes. He had a big shot against the Nets, too, in that Thursday night game. Yeah, nobody cares about the Nets, bro. Sorry. Well, I mean, they care about the Blazers. They had to win that game. And <laughs> no, you're right. I'm only kidding. He did. Um, <laughs> such a shit. But moving into, moving into game one against the Lakers... First of all, Hassan Whiteside decides to rise up, rise back from the dead. He had like four blocks, a lot of good defensive possessions on their two big men plus Davis, really stifling them. Mello, like I said, the ISO ball, but he still he still you know put up some shots and they win in the basket. And he's doing an okay job defensively. C.J. McCollum with a broken back is the ultimate sidekick to Dame, and then it's just Dame time. Dame's been great. Uh, great understatement. I, well, there's a, there's a couple narratives floating around that I didn't talk to you about before we did this, but I I don't think it's a hot take, but it's going to sound like one. Would you consider Dame Lillard a superstar? Absolutely. Okay, what is your qualification for a superstar? I, I take into account social media as well as off-the-court things. But I, but strictly on the court, I, I, think they, I think you have to go by the ranking of players. And I think right now, I, would, I think Dame is in the top eight of players in the NBA. Okay, would you put him in the same category as Steph Curry? No, Steph Curry is a three-time champion. If Dame wins, okay, so. if Dame wins a championship this year, obviously he's an eight seed. Probably not going to happen. But if he did, yeah, he's in the same breath would, for me. Because would you put him in the same breath as Allen Iverson? Oh yeah, absolutely. So okay, uh, so Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson dragged a pretty shitty 76ers team to the finals in what was it? 2002, 2001, 2000, 2000. Um, so I wouldn't quite put him there yet, but uh, let me, he's not that old and he, it, it's, he's well on his way. How about that? Okay. So the narrative is still yet to be written, obviously, but there's been, and I know that we are in an era where we are prisoners of the moment and that's fine. I think it's fun. And I am not, trying to so anybody that wants to come at me shut up first i am not diminishing what dame lillard has done or the kind of player he is but if we're going to talk about superstars and we're going to put him in the same breath as some of these other guys i think we need to calm the fuck down he has three playoff series wins in his entire career okay he has not been the most impressive player. All right, so I need time. you I need you to give me your your line of demarcation for superstar here. I think a superstar is an NBA champion. I think it's somebody who changes the game or it's somebody that can take absolutely inferior talent on a team. Okay, so Anthony Davis Anthony Davis isn't a superstar. No, absolutely not. Okay, but I have fair. I've been on record of saying that. He he Anthony Davis will never be a number 1 on a championship team, and after See, seeing the other me, night, for me, bro, there's, me num- there's only like there's there's levels to the superstardom, of course. Like I think LeBron, Giannis, and a young Luca are in probably a conversation of their own right now. 
LeBron, sure, LeBron I, obviously on the back end, Giannis and Luka on the front end, being guys that can absolutely carry their team to a championship. Kawhi, throw him in there too. Well, they haven't yet, so I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not giving that their MVP level player. You can't, but, but you also, but also you have to look at the now, bro. You, you can't just not say, say no, that I they're am. not a superstar because they're all starting in all star games. Everybody's buying their jerseys. No, I'm not saying because then it's like there, he is an all star. But they're also superstars. He's an unquestioned all-star. They're also superstars. They're superstars right well, then, now. Because my thing is, my thing is like, so, so. I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you. Let me think of I an just example. Think way too loose with that. So term. Jason Kidd, right? Yeah. Would you consider Jason Kidd a superstar? Jason Kidd was the best player on a team that went to two consecutive finals. Yes, but you said yes. a guy who won a championship. Jason Kidd didn't win a championship. Well, you didn't until... let me finish. I said, a, I said, a, I said a guy that wins a championship or drags a team to the championship or is the best player at his position for an era. Okay, so and I Kidd think was the, I think Giannis is the best player at his position, and he projects to be for. I don't even know what his position is, to be honest. He's the best. Giannis is the best player in basketball right now, which I think if you're the best player in basketball, you're automatically a superstar. Yeah, I mean, and he. He's see, had that's, the, see, that's where it gets wonky. Bucks have been the number one, but they've been the number one seed, bro, the last two years with the best record. And if everybody wants to talk about how great the supporting cast of Portland is, then why haven't they? Why were they only a number eight seed this year? My question is: Is the bottom half of the West is not that great where Portland should be fighting to get in as an eight seed? If Damian well, Lillard is, is a quote-unquote superstar, I mean the reason why was because McCollum was hurt half the year, and then Nurkic, who is an absolute game changer on this team, didn't come back until the bubble. So it was a totally different team. But they team. weren't even they weren't even better than Memphis before heading into the bubble. Memphis was a better team, but now that now that Dame actually has a couple guys I, that, that are surrounding my, him. That's my only complaint. Is it's not about him and his talent. It's just like put like I heard a debate the other day where people said Kyrie Irving, Colin Cowherd said Kyrie Irving is not a winning player. Kyrie Irving hit a winning shot in game seven of the finals i'm sorry i I, i'm taking kyrie irving over damian lillard and i i personally don't really think it's that close i'm taking steph curry as soon as he steps foot back on the basketball court over damian i'm not taking kyrie over dame reason being because because kyrie irving was kyrie irving has never been kyrie irving has never had to do what damian lillard has had to do when was the last time Kyrie Irving did anything on a team that wasn't on a team with LeBron James? He completely alienated the Boston Celtics last year. Well, that was last on a year. Team. Okay, that was last year. That's part of his career. What are we talking about here? That it's part of his right, career. But, that, but, but that's still, he still got Boston to the second round before he got hurt in, in 2017. Yeah, but I mean, he, Lillard's won three playoff series, bro. Lillard's, got, Lillard's carried a team, his own team, where he was the best player to a conference finals. Kyrie Irving has okay, not done that's one great Ky- thing. Yeah, Kyrie Irving hasn't even done that. Kyrie Irving has not made it past the second round without but LeBron I, James. Period. Point okay, blank. Okay, but LeBron James didn't win a championship in Cleveland without Kyrie Irving. Yes, but LeBron James also dragged a 2007 Cavaliers team to its championship where their second best yeah, player might have been you. I'm not, com- <laughs> I'm not comparing LeBron and Kyrie. But I'm you brought LeBron into it. Like you Kyrie- just did. You just said well, LeBron no, never won another team. 
But LeBron's the reason why they won that championship. He's finals MVP. We know that. Kyrie hit the biggest shot in the series, but they yeah, wouldn't have even made it. Yeah, if Kyrie doesn't get that shot, they lose that series. It's I'm just saying, I've seen him do it on the biggest stage. Okay, but that's one instance. I'm that's talking about a, but you have to, But you have to look at the body of work and the team and other things that go into it instead of one shot. You know what I'm saying? Like he was the second best player on a championship like, team. I think we could both agree that that Kobe Bryant you would consider a superstar, right? Kobe Bryant had some really dry years when he didn't have a sidekick around him. No? Right. But if but that but we're talking about Dame having better players. He has, has, better, has he has a better he has a better team than any of those Kobe years before oh nine. Yes, and Kobe Bryant either didn't or either was out in the first round or didn't make the playoffs. He has a better team right now. He hasn't before this. Sure, he has. What? Nurkic? He's had McCollum. Nurkic when he averaged thirteen points a game. That's what I'm trying to say. Is before he got hurt, he took a huge leap. He's had McCollum. McCollum's a number two on a on a really good team. No, but but that's not my point. Is the Dame is a superstar player, and you could look at the numbers for it to back it up. And also, well, I, I think the numbers the, are great. The, and I think the 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 argument here, as we go on this little tangent, and I, I want to get back to the playoffs. Is I think that your your criteria to be a superstar player is a little too strict. That's all. It is because I think is Giannis a superstar. I, I think there's. I don't know. He's a fucking great player. He's the best player in basketball right now. Literally the best player. He, he came up empty last year as the MVP. I need to see more. So I got to see we more. Could both, I'm so not how many, him down. So how many superstars? On I'm how just many, saying I can't put him in the same context as some of these other guys yet. So how many superstars are there in the NBA right now? I'll, I'll give you two so we can knock them out. LeBron and Kawhi, obviously. Right. KD. Okay, Steph. KD. Steph. That's, that's four. Clay. Clay? Really? Yeah. Yeah. You got two on the same team. I don't know. I mean, listen, Clay, Clay, I think, is a top 20 player in the NBA, great defensively and offensively, but, I mean, that, then can I say that Harrison Barnes is a superstar because he was on a championship team and oh, he, well, was a, he was a, a starter? That's, that's not even a remotely close. Clay Thompson's one of the best. So, so is Draymond Green a superstar? No. Okay, so Clay is kind of where you draw the line. I'm I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm put I'm putting Harden in there because Harden Bro, dragged a huge we're gonna put, team to Wait Western a minute, Conference we're gonna Finals. put we're gonna put Harden in there with all of his absolute choke job playoff He's at woes. He's gotten to Western Conference so Finals Dame. on his own multiple times. He's been the one, and okay. he got swept. And I have a hard criteria for Harden too, but he I think he's done more with less. I mean, he did go to an NBA Finals, but I wouldn't even count that. No, I wouldn't. I was, I'm talking to Houston. So what about Russ? No. Thank you. You can't count Russ if you can't count Lillard because Lillard's way better. No, than absolutely not. What about CP3? No. All right. So there, so according to you, basketball is in terrible shape and there's no superstars in the league. I honestly I didn't think, say that. I, just I think five. I think my definition of a superstar is different than your definition of a superstar because it is. Because I'm looking at it from an encompassing thing of people want to buy their jerseys, they're great players, they're must-see TV, they're superstars. Yeah, to me, those because, are all-stars and stars. No, my, my version of an all-star is 
uh, Sabonis or Chris Middleton, guys that consistently make the all-star team, might sneak into a second or a third team all-NBA. Devin Booker, same thing. But they're not. I'm not going to put them on my team and, ex- and expect them to do anything special. And then you have the guys at the top of the no, league. Dame's are, doing special things. I'm not taking anything away from Dame. I'm just saying he's not in that echelon of other guys yet. No, I agree with that. But I just, I mean, I think we're arguing what our definition of a superstar is because I think we are. It's I think, subjective. right? Like LeBron, obviously, like the guys that you named as your superstars are probably first ballot, absolute, no doubt about it. Hall of Famers, and if there was a double Hall of Fame or a super duper Hall of Fame, they would be in that, right? Dame's probably a Hall of Famer, but he's not going to be in the super oh, sure. duper Hall of Fame unless he gets a ring. No, Dame's a Hall of Famer right now, and that's not even a knock on the NBA Hall of Fame criteria. I'm just saying that if we're going to talk about him up there with one of the all time greats, and I know you and I aren't, but there's a lot of people that are. I need to see more. No, of that's what that's he's done in that's recency bias. That's recency bias. You know, I mean, listen, I have been on the Dame train for a long time, and I was talking about this last year because he was not to the same extent as this, but he was doing shit like this last year too. Hey, listen, he has two winning shots to walk off series, right? He he walked off Houston in fourteen and Harden, and he walked off uh, Russ uh, last year, and that's MPG. Yeah, and that's impressive, but it absolutely is. But hey, I, I'm just—I want to see more depth in the playoffs. And this year, for me, it was—I know there's injuries, but Memphis is not a great team. New Orleans is not a great team. And if you are a superstar, you get further than having to fight teams like the Nets by one point in a bubble to get into the playoffs. So like if that's, they, that's just my thought. If they sweep the Lakers, or not even sweep, oh, if they gonna, go, that's if not going to happen. That does a lot for his legacy. But Absolutely. if they beat the Lakers, period. Because I think if they win, this series goes seven and it's a knockdown drag out. If they win this series... He absolutely elevates another tier because you're an eight seed that beat a one. And I don't want to hear, we both know there's no asterisks in this whole format. Absolutely. I'm not even saying they should beat the Lakers. I'm just saying that if you're an eight seed and you're a superstar, you need to do better than an eight seed. Because we talked about Giannis, they had the best record in the NBA. You know, when you put LeBron on a team, they're instantly one of the best teams in the NBA. When you take a Kawhi, you're one of the best teams in the NBA. When you have a Harden, you're one of the best teams in the NBA. If Lillard hasn't been one of those guys yet. I think if LeBron James loses in the first round, I might drop him to my third best player of all time. And that's fair. You don't lose that, uh, and you don't lose to an eight seed. I didn't mean to go on a whole thing here. I haven't but it like just kind of bothered me because like people were like, "Oh well, you know AI." I'm like, AI dragged the corpse of a Sixer team and actually beat Kobe and Shaq in a final, the only team ever to beat the Lakers during that three peat run. So in a game. So I'm like, let's no, I, I understand that, but AI is. also fizzled out rather quickly. Well, I don't care about that, man. I'm just saying right now is if we're going to hold guys to super high, if we're going to talk about guys to a really, really high level, I need to hold them to a really, really high standard. And I, I completely has been agree. Unbelievable. He just hasn't gotten to that next tier for me yet of superstar. But again, that's how I grade it. Yeah, I, I think Dame, in my opinion, is a superstar. He's just not. He's not 
that he's not one of the five best players in the NBA. That's just the way it is. I mean, I put Steph before him. I put a couple other guys. I mentioned them. Um, but yeah, and then on the flip side, LeBron falls behind Bill Russell, in my opinion, and possibly Kareem if if he loses this series in the first round. And honestly, if there was any if there if LeBron loses this series, the NBA restart, the NBA bubble, the all time loser of this is LeBron. Oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. he already looks and like a bitch. About it, he already looks like a bitch because he complained that there's no fans. He also did the whole I'm not going to say anything, but I'm going to say something thing. So he already looks like an absolute bitch. And then you go out and lose in the first round, and you know he's not going to lose with, a, with, with, with grace and integrity. No. He, there's going to be no. some built-in excuse there. So, yeah, I may, drop him, I may drop LeBron from my second greatest player of all time down to, I don't know, five? Now, again, prisoner of the moment, he's done so much, and let's not forget about how great he was. I agree game. with you, now, but... He, if, he has, if he has six more games like that and they lose... Oh, he was incredible. Portland just goes fucking apeshit. The supporting cat, I'll tell you that. I'm going to knock AD way down, more so than I knock oh, LeBron down. yeah, AD looked... And I mean, getting back into this... this song for a while, you get, know that. Yeah, you have. Getting back into this series, I mean... You have this. You have the the rookie from what's his face. Um, I don't even know how to say it. Wenyan Gabriel from fucking Kentucky, born in nineteen ninety seven. That's depressing. Um, <laughs> just you know, for he, AD fouled him out in, in five minutes in the last time they played. He he put on a show against him. He was guarding him like it was nothing. Zach Collins, you're being a pussy. You should be playing. By the way, I, I it's. It's almost amazing, and I know we didn't really talk. Is, that is much Zach Collins about, thinking about signing with the Yankees next year, being an abs- being a bitch because he's doing it right now, and not playing? <laughs> it's bad, you know. The um, I was thinking about you know the the AD thing, and he has disappeared in fourth quarters against the Clippers, and he's been almost a no show. But I'm like, you know, he'll get his against other competition, and we saw the same thing the other night in game one he he just disappears at times and i've always said he could be a, he could be a number two on a title team there's times where sometimes i wonder if he could even do that huh he could just even be that because he, he but he, the thing the that's so frustrating is wild the thing that's so frustrating is it's not it's not based off talent because he could be, he could be a number one off of pure talent. He could be a number one on a finals team if you put a good enough team around him. It's all in, it's all in the brain. Because, I mean, he was getting shut down by, you know, uh, Mario Hazonia, Wenyan Gabriel, Nurkic, and um, what's his face? A few other guys. I'm, I'm, some of their names are deceiving me. Uh, Hassan Whiteside. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, like, you're letting those guys shut you down. You're not facing, like, Rudy Gobert and, and Draymond in his prime here. I mean, it's, again, like, when people talk about Cat and why I kind of jump you for wanting Cat on the Knicks, I see the same thing with Cat. Unbelievable. On a much bigger talented. scale, too, yeah. Yeah, puts up huge numbers, does things in games where you wonder how they ever get shut down, and then in big spots... You know, I mean, that New Orleans team never did fucking anything with him being the best player, and they had some talented teams. Um, You're right. 
I think the only thing they ever did was they they knocked out Dame <laughs> in a first. They swept Dame in a first round series with yep. Rondo running the show. That was so when Boogie that, got hurt. Yeah, and that was when Boogie got hurt. That was only two years ago. So I that's kind of my thing. I I do hold these guys to a high standard. Davis is one of them. If you're going to be talked about like one of the top ten players in the league, I need you to show up like that in a playoff game. No, you haven't had many of them. I but think this Laker we, team, I know Portland's good, but you've got to win this series. All right, so let's go through these series right now because I think we can briefly talk about the rest of them, um, aside from maybe Milwaukee because that one's been kind of shocking. Um, so who do you think wins this series? I'm still taking the Lakers. Me too. I'm going to say six now. I'm saying seven. I think I said seven already, but I'm sticking with that. Um Talking about the Thunder series, I just think Harden was too much for them. They couldn't contain him. And, I mean, Chris Paul in the playoffs again. Which is why I knock him down as much as I do. Um, yeah, you did. Yeah, we I both mean, I do. Still, I still, yeah, that's true. You're, you're with me on that. i got to give you credit uh, for riding with me on that one. Yeah, I, I, Harden was just too much. And when they shoot the way they shot the other night, I know Westbrook's out, and that might actually benefit them in a series like that because you don't have him shooting up these bricks. Uh, when Harden plays that way, nobody's, nobody other than, you know, maybe the Lakers or Clippers beats them. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the next series, 2-0. Heat against the Pacers. I'm not surprised. The Heat are a far superior. Oh, you're going right into the East. I'm just going over. I'm looking at the schedule and I'm looking at the games that went on today and then the games that go okay. on tomorrow. So I'm kind of just bouncing back and forth here because I wanted to give Sounds you accurate good. scores. Um, so the Heat are up too well. I'm not surprised at all. I think that team is significantly better than the Pacers, especially without Sabonis. And I didn't even see if Oladipo played today. I know he had an eye thing. Um, but I just think Jimmy Butler, this whole feud between him and, uh, him and Warren, it's like, okay, that was cute. But Jimmy Butler is an all-star player and Warren's a nice six man. Exactly. And, and, and that's what you're going to get from Butler. He's Owen Depot did ball. play. He dropped 22. Good game for him. He's got, I mean, it's been an injury plague year, but I, I think Owen Depot needs to have a great comeback year next year. Um, the Heat are an interesting team. I think well, we in a world they could make it to the Western Conference Finals or even the NBA Finals. I think we both talked about that right when the restart was happening. Like this is a team that if they get on a run, nobody's going to want to play. And you're seeing that in the first two games of this series with Butler doing his thing. You got Bam out of bio. You got Tyler Hero shooting threes, and you got Duncan Robinson. I mean, this is a very good team. Yeah, absolutely. A little Goran Dragic sprinkled in there as well. Um, yep. Now, the last series that is being played today is the Orlando Magic and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, your Giannis not being somehow being the best player in the league, former MVP, possible two-time, but also not being a superstar, the case could be made with this series. <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying he's an MVP. I'm saying that he's a face of the league. I'm, I just, hey. He didn't really do any. Toronto completely shut him down last year when they were the number one seed. And he can't have another showing like that this year if you want to be elevated to that next level, especially when you have the best record in the NBA. I'm not going to take too much from this game. I don't know if you will. I think that they kind of just got punked. Orlando played a really good game. They shot the lights out. I feel like you see this happen every year to one, to, uh, one team. I think the Lakers... 
losing to Portland, obviously Portland's much more talented, is so much more real than the Bucks even losing in the first two rounds. Oh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I this was the first game that meant something that they've played in, Jesus, dude, since what, November? Yeah, it's so crazy to think. They're just kind of getting their feet underneath them. I, they'll be fine. Absolutely. All right, so let's move on to next, uh, tomorrow's games. I'm just going by today's games and then tomorrow's. Raptors against your Brooklyn Nets, not really anything to say there. It's nice that the Nets are there. And I think the more interesting thing is is guys on this team that whether or not they'll be there next year. I you know and the, Simmons said it on his podcast. I've heard it on other places. Is Karis Levert on this team next year? Now they have him locked up. I think he's a guy that you want to keep because he can create offense for himself for others. He'd be a great guy off the bench for you guys next year, barring that KD and Kyrie are healthy. Yeah, I would love to keep Karis, and you've seen him kind of. You know, take that next step during this bubble as being the guy, um, especially with Dinwiddie out and obviously everybody else. Um, he's still got some growing up to do, but his talent is undeniable. The, you know, it just comes down to you know, game one they get blown out, and game two they they really hung in there yesterday. They just don't have enough talent to win. Joe Harris had to leave the bubble for a family emergency, so you hope everything's okay there. And I really hope they can retain him. But I really want to focus more on Toronto here. You know, you've seen some slip-ups from some of these high seeds and, and and not really quite adjust to this playoff format. Toronto has the eye of a champion right now, you know, the heart of a champion, because they have not let up, and they are playing yeah, really I think well, it, and they're making plays when they need to against a feisty Nets team. I think it starts with the head coach and works its way down. This team is, I mean, they were great in the bubble even though they really didn't have much to play for. This team stays locked in, and they have that championship pedigree, even losing their their best player to going to the Clippers. I still think I think that they're probably going to be in the Western Conference Finals, and they're another team. I think it's the Heat. I think the, the, the Eastern Conference is between the Heat, the, um, the Bucks, and, and the, this Raptors team. Yeah, I'm not counting out Boston yet, even with the Hayward injury, and we'll get to them in a second. But yeah. I, I picked Toronto when we did our pod uh, to represent the East um, in the restart. I just love, and I've been validated through two games. I mean, yes. they blew out the Nets in game one. They didn't even give them a shot. And that's a game where you can be a little stagnant as the higher seed. And then yesterday, you know, the Nets gave them as much of a shot as they could. But Toronto made the big plays down the stretch that you see almost no turnovers. They're defensively sound. Uh, like you said, starts with the head coach and moves on. I think they're getting a little disrespect. And uh, Van Fleet, I tell you what, he is a hell of a player. He's going to make himself a lot of money, whether he stays with Toronto or hits the open market. This yeah, him and him and Siakam are, I mean, talk about changing their careers and really being most improved players. All right, let's go back to yesterday because we we'd said who we thought was going to win the Lakers series, but we didn't mention the rest of them. I have the Rockets winning the Thunder Rockets series. Obviously, the Bucks winning in that series, and then I have the Heat winning in in their series. Same for you. Yeah, I'll let, yeah, I'll echo all those. All right, and then obviously I have the Nets losing to the Raptors in yours. Moving on to the next series, though, an interesting one. I think this one, aside from the, uh, aside from uh, this one, the Mavericks and the Lakers series, I think are going to be the close ones. Um, from what we've seen so far, we got Nuggets Jazz, and you know, 
Murray did not play as well in the second game, and I'm glad that we did have the second game because, bro, I swear to God, I was going to come on here and say that Murray had a coming out party after the first one because I texted <laughs> you and said, are you watching? Did you watch this, you did. this game? And it was just – I don't know if you watched the highlights, but the fourth quarter and overtime were incredible between the Joker and, and, and Murray – and I was gonna come out here, come on here, and sing his praises, and, and say it was a coming out party, and it's just the same old shit. It's the same old shit. And Utah has looked really, really good. I gotta give Mitchell. I mean, because he only had Mitchell fourteen in that game. Unfucking believable, man. I mean, you think a guy's <laughs> growing up right before your eyes? It's like watching my kid. It's like, all right, he's not gonna fuck up again. Like, I think he really learned from it this time. You know. No, that, that's why, you know, those guys kind of had those careers. The talent is there. Uh, consistency is not. Uh, Utah's a very good team, and we know that. Conley's going to be back soon. I think this series is going to go seven. I'm going to say six. Okay. All right, well, I'm going to give you one that I think goes five. Because I think the uh, I think the six I think Embiid gets really angry one game and actually does what he's supposed to and, and posts people up instead of shooting dumb threes, but I mean Tatum and Jalen Brown I, I know Hayward is hurt and I think that's really going to be a detriment to them in the future series, but this one you can pretty much put a bow on it. I couldn't agree more, uh, and you see the better coach team, you have the better configured team. And they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And listen, I, I know that you and I have talked about the Sixers at length for what seems like years. I don't know how good of a coach Brett Brown is. I know he gets a lot of shit. I think the way that team is put together is absolutely atrocious. And we've had questions about it from the get-go. Embiid is, I mean, you know, I've always said a center can't be the best player on a championship team these days, no matter how dynamic they are. He can do what he wants, but Tobias Harris has been fucking awful. Horford really can't do much, and you're relying on Matisse Stiebel and Josh Richardson to, to win games for you. Uh, that's not that's not very good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I give Boston a lot of credit. Boston's played amazingly well, especially Tatum. Yeah, Tatum's taking that next step, and and let's not discount Brown either. Oh, no, absolutely not. Brown, Brown's a hell of a player. Um, the Hayward injury is tough. I, I don't get through this series fine. Um, but going forward, uh, I don't know how long the injury is. But, man, that sucks, and I feel so bad for him because he really is such a good player. All right, last series. I mean, we're taking the Celtics in that one. Clippers-Mavs, and this is my final, my NBA champion pick. I believe it's yours as well. They could have been down 0-2 here had Chris Tapps not been ejected at the game before this. So what are your takeaways from the first two games of this series? I don't know who came up with the nickname Playoff P for Paul George. I make I make fun of this every year, but it, it's, it should be thrown out. It should be one of those men in black things, you know, where they erase it from everybody's memory because he is awful in the playoffs. I, I, he, he is – I don't even know what to say, like – He's supposed to be a top 10 player, two-way player in the NBA, and it's like, honestly, uh, put Lou Williams in and let him run pick and roll with Montrez and then have Kawhi, you know, bail him out if they need him. 
here's the problem with people saying about how Paul George is supposed to be a top 10. He's not. He's not. He's never been. He's a very, very, very good player that any team would like to have. He is not up in the list of guys that are number ones on championship teams. So this is kind of par for the course. We saw it happen last year, getting eliminated in the first round against uh, the Trailblazers last year when he was a member of the Thunder, and the the Clippers give up the farm to get him, and this is what you get. He's not consistent. He disappears at big spots, and I'm not going to hold every single bad game against him. I mean, he's very capable of putting up big games too. Uh, I This is just Paul George. Yeah, but here's my thing. Kawhi Leonard is still on this basketball team, and he is a top-10 player. And I think he'll carry this team to a final still. I still have them winning the championship. Yeah, I do too. And Kawhi's more than that. He's a top-five player, maybe top three. No, absolutely. But, yeah, he, he, um, he will make sure that they win this series. And I love, I love Dallas, and I think they're going to be a really – formidable foe, a top seed for the next few years this to come. This is Dallas' hey, year, man. Seen... Dallas needs... No, it's not. This is great for Dallas because there's a few things they need to do. They need to learn how to play defense because they're historically bad defensively, and they need to learn how to close out games, especially Luka and Chris Tapps, and they're learning how to do that because they were the worst team in the NBA at five points or less. I believe they were 1-7 or 1-8 this past year in games in the fourth quarter that were five points or less. So they need yeah, to learn how to close that. games. We've seen that be the case in the bubble the entire time. I mean, that game against Houston, they had one, and they just couldn't close out Harden and the Rockets. And that's just what you're going to get with a young, very talented team that's learning how to take that next step. I mean, Luka is 21. It's crazy to yeah, believe, he's but he's 21. Yeah, Luke is in that next generation of guys to look for, obviously. You know, I mean, this is only his second year for fuck's sakes. And, and Porzingis is doing what he's doing. Obviously, the injuries scary with Porzingis. Uh, but the supporting cast is good. Seth Curry, uh, they're just not going to beat the Clippers. And that, and that's okay. But I like the series going six. I think, I think they could get another game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this one will go six. All right, man. You ready to move on to some golf? I am. I've been waiting for a while to hear you uh, to hear you get back <laughs> talking about who's on the course. So go go for it. Well, last week we made our picks for uh, the Wyndham, and I, I didn't do too hot. Um, you it's know, right. but you my guys, that. my guys did not do as well as I thought they were going to do. Um, I mean, you had you had a couple. You, who were, my picks were? Who Kepka? Kepka. And Rose both missed the cut. That that ain't that's not good. Patrick Reed. Like Kepka's shutting it down now too. Yeah, yeah, he might not play in the next two, including the one that's going on right now. Uh, I think I picked Patrick Reed and Webb Simpson. What am I talking about? I got a top three and a top nine. That's not there that bad, right? Can we take so that? Two who missed the cut. You know that that one's rough. Uh, but hey, yeah, top three and a top nine. That's fine. Absolutely. All right, so we're already we're already a little bit of time into this round right now. Um, so we have you know Tommy Fleetwood at the top of the leaderboard. We have a couple guys that you know sitting around there. Um, Bubba Watson, a former pick of mine from a couple weeks ago, but I'm not going to take any of those guys. Um, 
I am going to take my foursome this week. I'm going to take two scumbags, the two most hated guys in golf, Bryson DeChambeau, welcome on the pod, Patrick Reed, welcome on the pod. I know I called you a scumbag, but DeChambeau won this. I believe DeChambeau won this last year. I know he's won this course. This is up in Boston, TPC Boston, in Norton, Massachusetts. Um, This is obviously the start of the three rounds of the FedEx Cup playoffs. I think the top 60 advance to next week's tournament, and then the top so the top half, the top 30, advanced to the final, and that is worth $15 million. And if you are number 30, so that means all you got to do is stay in the top 30 for the next two weeks, and all you got to do is show up in the final tournament, you're getting 450 k bud. Not too bad. Not too bad, especially for these personal contracted golfers. So I am going Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, another guy I've got. I'll give you one that not too many people know, but he a couple of a couple of shots last week in the Northern Trust. If they went a little different, or not the Northern Trust, excuse me, in the Wyndham, as well as the PGA, if they went a little bit differently, he could have been in the uh, he could have been in the mix. As well as I listened to a podcast and he says he loves East Coast golf in the summer, and that's Joel Damon. All right. Joel Damon, uh, that's a guy where you can probably get his odds at like probably 50 to 1 to even finish top 10. And then my fourth I'm going to give you is a young guy who I think is just an absolute killer. It's not Morikawa. It's Matthew Wolf. Okay, yeah, you've been, you've been singing his praises Out of for a Oklahoma while State. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the fastest guys to get a win on tour. I think he got it within his first few events last year when he won the 3M Classic. This guy, I mean, listen, this course, there's a, couple of drive, there's a couple drivable par fours, which is one of the reasons why I picked Bryson. But this guy also hits bombs, and he's a little bit more controlled with the wedges, so I could see that happening. So that is my top four. Um First week of the FedEx Cup playoffs, $15 million on the line. Sean, what are you doing if I give you $15 million right now? Oh, man. Everything. Everything. Okay. What's the first? <laughs> That's a lot of money. How about this? How about this? What are you doing is, what are you doing is, a, is a loaded question. What's the first thing you do if I give you $15 million? Oh, I'm purchasing some... Beautiful ass piece of land on a secluded in a secluded area, and I'm bringing my closest friends where we can socially distance Super- and uh, specifically, hang out and have a damn good time. Specifically secluded. Yes. Has well, I'm be. not buying property where there's everybody. Come on now. I hear that. Yeah. That's a poor investment if I've ever heard one. How about you? What are you doing with that cash? First thing I'm probably doing, aside from paying off student loan debt and bullshit like that. Oh, you'll have plenty of that, dude. That's good. You're talking 15 mil here. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to make... I mean, obviously, you can say the whole cliche, I'd pay off my mom's my, my mom's mortgage or whatever, right? But, I know you're not doing that. Uh, you know not I get first. around to that. <laughs> exactly. But she could first. make one more payment, right? It's not going to kill her. No, I'm no. kidding. I would obviously pay off her mortgage, but I would probably purchase something dumb. 
You know, get that well, dumb purchase. Desperate. You'll definitely do that. No, get that dumb purchase out of the way. Maybe one of those really super douchey, um, what do they call those things? T-Rexes. You know what I'm talking about? They're like $35,000. They got the that's, one wheel yes, in the back. Something that I'd probably drive twice. Those things are the dumbest things I've ever seen. I want to spit on the people that drive them. But I'll purchase one. Well, you'll one. be one of them. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you've been, uh, did you listen to that Gangster Capitalism pod? Since we're wrapping no, it up and dude. moving into pop culture. What? No, still no. I'll oh get to God. it, I promise. Jesus fucking I know. Christ. Bad. Oh, but I did watch the Jeffrey Epstein Filthy Rich. Man, mm. tough watch. Tough yeah. watch. Yeah, my friend told me the same thing yesterday. He was like, yeah, I, I can only get through an ep- episode and a half. I mean, maybe maybe I don't let this these things affect me. Certain things do, but I just I was like, yeah, I ripped through that. Bro, I don't have a, like I, I got through, I watched it all in a row. I watched all the episodes in a row, but like, you got. I had a couple cocktails. And, like, I can't stomach that shit. You know, there's certain things you just—they're so fucking wrong. And yeah. but I feel like it, you're doing a disservice if you turn a blind eye to it because you know that you know that shit's still going on all over the fucking world. Absolutely. And this Epstein stuff is not over. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean, man, it was—it was tough. His girl, his girl. Uh, what's her face? His girlfriend or best friend or whatever she was. She's in custody now. They're about to take her off suicide watch, so that's interesting. We'll see how long oh, well, she lasts. Good. Hey, hey, Trump wished her well, so that was nice. Oh my god. Well, that was that was idiot. obviously before Kamala Harris got uh, uh, got Biden's vote as his running mate for VP, who Trump decided to call a nasty woman, which is his go-to. So Hillary, nasty woman. Uh, Kamala Harris, nasty woman. Uh, this woman who ran with Epstein and solicited all the underage girls for prostitution. Yeah, I wish her well. Really <laughs> nice. Par for the course, my friend. Speaking of golf, that sounds about par for the course. Oh, that, that that's that's laying it up a couple yards from a couple feet from the hole, man. Yeah, what a fucking idiot. Oh well, you know what we always say we got to say it. We haven't said it yet. Get out there and vote. November's coming. Well done. Yeah, that's the problem with not doing these pods as, as regularly where you get into it and like, okay, we're doing this, but great job by you saying that. And we're getting I don't know, bro. You, you, forget to say, you forget to say remember to vote, but you remember to say yo at the beginning of the last three podcasts. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm obviously not saying that ever again now, but you got that in my head. That's I've fine. I'm going to say it now. twice. I do it as much as I say you know. Like, I say you know probably like 15, 20 times a pot. I'll re-listen. I'll be yeah, like, and I say Christ. absolutely a lot. <laughs> hey, listen. We're, nobody ever called us professionals, but I think we're doing pretty well for, for being two years into this thing. Two and a half. Um, the other thing I want to say right fast, uh, some news just broke. Um, the Mets-Marlins game tonight has been canceled. And the Yankees-Mets game tomorrow scheduled for City Field has been canceled as well, which would lead you to believe that the entire weekend will be. So you got no baseball for the next few nights. And the way the Yankee season is going, uh, Paxton's getting an MRI tomorrow. Um, so you know that's obviously Tommy John or something coming. So maybe it's oh. not a bad thing that we get a couple of days off. Yeah, right? And then <laughs> Focus how, many on days, how many days do they have to go with 100% positive before they could play again? Because, like, I think the weekend's 100% negative, 100... you mean? Yeah, that's what I mean, 100% negative yeah. tests. Sorry. Uh, I think every player has to test negative twice. So, yeah, there there's no chance. 
and team personnel. Well, I, I need to see. I, I don't know who tested positive yet. Um, but they won't tell you that, Everybody right? who's in the traveling party, some some will, some won't. They're, usually it goes by players. So it's like when the Cardinals had their thing and the Marlins had theirs, it was like, you know, 12 players and four. Yeah, they won't personnel. tell you. They won't tell you their names. Right. That's Not a HIPAA violation. Them, no. Right. Sometimes the players want to come out and say it, or the the coaches want to come out and say it. But either way, man, hey, you know you're all the shitting on the Yankees we're doing, talking about injuries and everything, and then we're hit with a haymaker at the end of this pod, remembering that we are trying to play this through a pandemic, and it is 2020. So all other concerns about this team, like your 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 future of playing baseball, is still unknown. Yes, sir. Let's just fast forward to 2021. I'm, I'm all here for it. All right, man. Well, that about wraps it up. Enjoy the playoffs. I mean, we really do have to. I, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, but we have to enjoy this time because more sports is being played now than ever. So let, let's take it in. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, bro. I've really enjoyed it. And um, one other thing to mention, it looks like the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC are all going to play their schedules. So we'll have college football too. So don't you worry. Uh, you'll have Mike Leach coaching uh, your Mississippi State. Uh, They'll at least start the season. We'll see how long that lasts. Right. But, hey, I think for a while we're going to have NFL. We're going to have baseball. We're going to have NBA. We're going to have NHL if you're into that and college football. So, hey, not too and bad. golf. Come on, bro. And golf. And golf. Hey, golf keeps going. When is the um, – when is the U.S. Open? Um, I, that's it. That's in right in our neck of the woods, bro. That's in Marinac. We're a couple weeks out, right? Is it the beginning of September? Yes, I believe it is about two and a half weeks from now. I think it's on September fourteenth through something like that. Let me let me look. Because obviously, when you get a major in there, that's obviously great. So. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's it's right up the street. We might have to go. They're not going to want us in. We'll stand outside. <laughs> September 17th through the 20th in Mamaroneck, okay, so New like York a, at Wingfoot. We're like a month out, so yep. we got that starting up, too. Cool deal, man. Yes. All right, well, I'll talk to you soon. I won't start next episode with yo. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I might. <laughs> <laughs> all right buddy good talking to you enjoy the sports and everybody like time said go out and vote and uh stay safe everybody have a good week peace out